John here from the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm here to talk to y'all for a second about the Anchor app. Are you looking for a podcast application that performs? What about one that's free? What about one that distributes all of your podcasts to all of the major listening platforms? Well, look no further. The Anchor app can be found at anchor.fm. The Anchor app is a podcast platform that is user-friendly, and like previously stated, it's free to use. The app has been so important to us for editing out our glitches uh, due to connection errors. It's a, it can also be used on your phone. It's a fantastic application. We use it for all of our podcasts. Go ahead and head on over to anchor.fm and download the app today and get started on your podcast journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian. We got John Morris here, and we have a special guest today with us. Uh, Mr. Kerry Davids comes from Miami, Florida. He is actually relatively new to the whole fly fishing experience, just starting in the last year, but he is new to fly tying, fly fishing itself, but he is actually out there getting on the fish pretty aggressively uh one of his uh, main species is uh the peacock bass and uh he also goes after some other stuff but i'm not going to sit here and and tell you all about it i'm going to save a lot of this for carrie and uh and let him kind of talk to all of us so carrie thank you so much for being on the podcast today taking some time on this saturday uh hopefully the weather's beautiful down there in uh oak or uh, in uh, florida so welcome thanks for having me brian and john um it's overcast i keep hoping it would rain and i know that sounds funny but we have a very dry winter season and in june the rainy season is supposed to start and when it does, it raises the water levels of the lakes, the canals, and everything else. So I live in a community where there's five man-made lakes. And when the water levels are right, I can walk the man-made lakes with my seven and a half foot risen fly rod and fish for peacock bass. I tie my own flies. I get in a lot of good exercise. But ever since uh, the winter, the water level is so low that uh, the peacock bass stay deep. Not only that, we had cool fronts. Miami, we don't really have too many cold fronts, if you know what I mean. But now, after a week's worth of rain, the water levels came up, and I was actually able to go to one of the lakes here uh, and catch a bluegill, and that was the first fish for me here in 2021. I've had to go out to the Everglades, where you see that gator behind my shoulder there, um, and fish there to catch peacock bass, because, of course, there's always water in the Everglades. And peacock bass excellent so you're not original when we were talking about the weather and everything else you're not originally from florida go ahead and, and talk about your uh adventure from where you came from down to florida just to fill everybody in well okay i grew up on long island that explains the accent and yes i have an accent but my father was from way out east on long island if you look at long island they have the north fork and the south fork he grew up on the North Fork by Peconic Bay in Southold, Peconic. And uh, every summer we'd go out there and fish. We'd catch uh, snapper, you could catch flounder, fluke, depending. Uh, we had, of course, the Great South Bay with Captree. Um, and so fishing, I've been doing that since I was about four years old, which 
that was uh, 1960. So <laughs> anyway, uh, older than I look. But yeah, so saltwater fishing constantly. Uh, freshwater fishing, I started, I lived in the Orlando area, just north of Orlando uh, in the 80s. And I would catch largemouth bass there. Um, once I came down to South Florida in 1998, I didn't fish. I didn't know how to fish, didn't know what to fish for. Uh, and then finally, a friend of mine took me out to the Everglades and we were using uh, spinning rigs with uh, Superfluke, the, you know, the uh, Golden Bream by uh, Zoom mm -hmm. and uh, catching peacock bass like that. So that was a lot of fun. But then I started watching channels about fly fishing. So I bought a Reddington Vice combo, seven, eight weight, because that was the cheapest on Amazon. And it served me okay. It's just that I wanted to try something lighter. Now, I'm sure everyone's, everyone knows Tom Rosenbauer. Oh, yeah. Okay, yep. Corvus, right? Tom Rosenbauer has this small stream fly fishing thing where he's out there with a seven and a half foot three weight. And he's catching panfish and you get to meet people and you fish in urban areas. And I'm thinking that looks cool. Have a little seven and a half, three weight and just, you know, catch panfish. So I bought one from again, risen and uh, started catching peacock bass in those same lakes here. I caught one that was over two pounds on the three weight caught a nice gar too. Like you did uh, <laughs> John, <laughs> that big one, but uh you know, they put up a really good fight, especially on a three-way. But the crown jewel was, I believe, March out in the Everglades when I landed uh, peacock bass, three pounds, three ounces. And I got it on the scale. It's in one of my YouTube videos. But that thing is a blast. And I use it. That was like number one. I'm trying to use my uh, Risen ITV four weight now, nine foot. Uh, and I tie a Euro nymph leader where you get the long parts and then you get yep. that indicator line. Yep. So I bought Cortland indicator 0 0.013 inches, get a section of that tippet ring and then three X fluoro flex strong from Rio, you know, to get to the fly mm -hmm. and uh, just try to drift that, maintain a tight line. And let me tell you, when the fish are biting, you can feel them and it's great. You know, when they're not biting, of course you snag and you hit bottom and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever i know what happened to me this morning which is why i was late i caught one and i says no i can't just catch one you know i need to get one more to make it worthwhile <laughs> anyway that's the way it goes you know yeah oh man that's that's the that's the fishing conundrum right there it's like oh yeah i caught i got one but do i really just want one no i can i can get two exactly and then <laughs> what what you know i could feel nibbles here and there I could see a flash every once in a while in the water. And I was like, you can do it, come on. And then swap flies, cause you know, well, maybe that fly just didn't quite have the mojo, you know, and uh, yeah, different flies, colors, you'd be surprised what works. Yeah, I know a lot of people watch channels of uh, fly fishing, mm -hmm. primarily geared to trout. And then every once in a while, well, small mouth or large mouth bass, well, trout and midges and stuff like that uh, incongruent with peacock bass you know you got to tie different flies although i have caught uh peacock bass on flies that you would think would go for you know bluegill would go for you know buggy flies with silly legs mm -hmm. that's what i caught that two pounder on here in in the lake close by so it's it's just whatever they feel like biting but lately 
I've been using black and purple bucktail with UV polar flash and mm -hmm. uh, chartreuse crystal flash. Again, that iridescence, if you're going a little lower, that iridescence seems to get them. They might not be able to tell color, but the iridescence, once they get a glint, they see something and it's like, now I can go after it. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I've, go, go ahead, John. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, I've, I've been following you for a long time on Instagram and uh, I'm, I'm pretty new myself to fly fishing and every, I, I took to it pretty hard, but I've only been doing it. It's close to a year now. I'm a few months short of a year, I think, but I've been following you forever and I've been watching your flies and it's just like, man, I really like those. There's, there's this simplicity to it and i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like okay well i under i understand how this fly was made and then a few pictures later there you are with a bass with that fly and it's like you you it, it just, it's resounding with me because it's you don't have to spend 30 minutes tying that fly it's something you can whip up in 10 you know yes. if you're you can just sit back you know have a drink tie a little bit and you can tie you know five or six of them in the time it takes to tie some of these huge articulated streamers and they wow. catch fish I, I love i love your flies man i do i, I absolutely love them that, that's what originally drew me to your page so carrie you gotta tell me what is what is the dino consabor okay um in miami there's uh, a large Latino population, mostly Cuban, but you have a lot of Nicaraguans, uh, Venezuelans, Colombians as well, Ecuador. Um, my wife is from Nicaragua. So the first thing you have to do in Miami, if you, know, you wanna get into that side of the community is learn Spanish. So um, I'm not sure, you, everybody knows Carlos Santana, but yeah. there's a, oye como va, but in the beginning, you know, the guy yells sabor. And what that literally means is like somebody that has swing or, you know, they, they've got it. Uh, somebody that is lame or whatever does not have sabor. So that's uh, a slang usage of it. So Dino is a nickname that I got from my brother from a pack of cigars in the 70s, uh, these skinny cigars. They had a picture <laughs> of a guy. I, I have a picture of me, my 22nd birthday. I have a shirt on open three buttons, because that's what you did in the 70s, an ascot of all things, okay, <laughs> and a blazer. And I'm propped against my amp. I I'm a musician, by the way, ever cool. since I was six years old. I toured with a disco band in the 70s, okay? So there I am propped up against this amp that is almost as tall as I am. And um, my brother looks at the picture on the packet of cigars, and there's this guy dressed with an ascot and a blazer, and he starts calling me Dino. Well, it fits <laughs> we grew up with a lot of Italians. And back then, you know, I was making okay money. So I was driving a big old 1977 Lincoln Town Coupe with the 460 cubic inch oh, engine. Yeah. So there's Dino in his Lincoln Town Coupe and it fit. <laughs> is literally Dino, me with swing or whatever in Miami. And that's what I named my YouTube channel back then. Then when I started fly tying and fly fishing and uploading the videos, it's like, well, you can't name it unless you're commercial and you can't be commercial unless you have a thousand uh, hours and so many viewers yeah. and subscribers. 
I'm like, well, I guess I'm stuck with Dino Consavorta for my channel then. And that that's the long story of it. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that, it's just so funny how, you know, we, we come about the names that, that people come up with because you know, I, uh, being, being, uh, in the industrial side of, uh, you know, uh, the workforce, uh, everybody kind of came up with names depending on things that happened. And so it's funny that your brother came up with oh, yeah. that out of that, but at least, you know, the story, like some people get a name and they have no idea what yeah. it is. It's like, why do you call me that? No, it's like, I, don't I, worry about it. <laughs> oh, trust me. When I lived in North Carolina in Greensboro back in the, uh, early nineties, You'd walk into a dry cleaner. Now you got to picture certain parts of Greensboro. People kind of talk like this, and this woman at the counter looks at me and sees Dino, whatever I was wearing at the time, and she's like, "Dino, is that anything like the Flintstones?" And I'm like, uh, "No." <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't want to get into it's because I was, you know, connected, but I just let it slide. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> Well, hey, yeah, you know that it's it's memorable. That's that's the thing. It's like the name is memorable, and and now oh, yeah. it's like it's unique. It's streamlined. It's memorable, and it fits your region, which is where you're concentrating a lot of your your efforts fishing, right? So you're you, you know. Oh yeah, it, for now. Yeah. God forbid I ever get to travel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I can see you going some great places just based on the species that you're targeting. You know the the peacock bass and and even the urban bluegill and panfish and things like that that's super cool and and the fact that you know there was one place i'm sorry brian there was one place when i was working in uh, 2013 i was on a project in northwest alabama and they told me it, it, you get to stay there you had to work every other sunday i know sounds brutal but they paid you for every hour and they paid well all expenses were covered right this was great so they said, oh, yeah, we got Pickwick Lake over here. Now, if you're familiar with the FLW tours, Pickwick Lake is one of the stops. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's like, well, yeah, Pickwick Lake, the river, the dams and everything. There's some pretty good fishing. And I'm like, really? And I went out there and I went to Dick's Sporting Goods in Florence, bought myself a spinning rod and reel. So I have it there. And sure enough, there was largemouth and smallmouth bass and hybrid bass. And I was close enough from the plant that I could drive out there and go fishing every evening just about and then when i was done it got too dark i even had to buy a headlamp so i wouldn't trip <laughs> on the way yeah. back to the car because you had to walk out into the woods a bit so i'm walking back and i didn't want to step on a snake that was the other thing yeah, yeah. so i'm walking back to the car get in the car drive back to the marriott and then go up to the executive level and just have a bunch of uh dinner type stuff hors d'oeuvres or whatever if i didn't feel like going to a restaurant but that was some really good fishing that's what you know Kept, kept me going. If I ever get a chance to go back there to do some fishing, I'd love to. Mm -hmm. it, it's fun how we, we notice those destinations. You know, there, there's always that, that super cool, fun destination that, that we all find that we want to go back to. But, you know, you're talking about fishing that with conventional tackle, which, hey, nothing wrong with that. That's a lot of fun. But how sure. did you get into fly from the conventional tackle? Because it sounds like you have a lot of experience with conventional tackle, and then you just transitioned into fly recently. Yes. What got you into fly fishing? It seemed like a challenge. And you watch enough videos. Uh, Brian Flexig from Mad River Outfitters is mm -hmm. one fellow that I yeah. learned a lot from. Uh, yeah. A lot of people know him. Uh, Tom Rosenbauer, of course. 
uh, Pete Kutzer for casting for Morbus. Yeah. Um, there's so many different videos. And lately I've been watching George Daniel, mm -hmm. who was with the USA fly fishing team and competed in the uh, Euro competitions. Uh, he teaches at Penn State now, believe it or not, Penn State really? has a fly fishing really? course, which is awesome. You know, so, uh, he learned from Joe Humphreys at the Penn State fly fishing course there. So uh, that's his mentor. He refers to him as Mr. Humphreys. But George Daniel, if you ever want to learn something about Euronymphing, he is so scientific about it. And that's how, you know, I learned about how to make leaders and whatever. And uh, John, how's your, how's your blood nuts coming along? Oh, much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't get traumatized anymore. That's the other thing, because that was that was difficult. Now I I get it. You know, you wrap and then yeah. come back around, pinch. You know, and every once in a while, when I get that second part to come up, it's okay to use your teeth to hold it in place and then pull so it doesn't come out. Yeah. But as long as you get the ninety D or the the parallel, whatever, I guess mm -hmm. perpendicular. There you go. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. So where do you guys yeah. fish in Texas? Though that's a big state. So Brian's actually from the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm a, I'm your, your Southern boy. I, so I live in Northeast Texas and I kind of fish all over. My, my main stomping grounds, if you will, is the Sulphur River. That's where I, I focus. That's really where my dedication is. It's not so much focus. It's, it's absolute dedication and loyalty to that river now because I, I have beliefs that the next state record fish the, the sport fish that I'm not really a sport fish, but the fish I'm chasing, I have very strong beliefs that it is there. So I spend majority of my time there. But other than that, uh, if I go trout fishing, I'm, I'm fishing in Arkansas. Uh, it's, it's about hour and a half, two hours. Uh, the next river up's like three hours. So if I'm trout fishing, it's Arkansas. If I'm bass fishing, we got some local lakes around here as well. And then, um, hybrid striped bass panfish crappie long-nosed gar which is what i'm chasing uh is all at the sulfur river it's everything's there so cool and brian pacific northwest yep yep you must so, have a lot of opportunities there oh yeah there's there's no shortage i i would consider the pacific northwest to be the equivalent of florida because we have the saltwater fishery and we have the freshwater fishery. The only thing Florida's lacking is a, a, a massive river. We have the Columbia River, which is like our big river. They, they call it the River of the West. It's, you know, right up there with the Mississippi and, yeah. you know, all that. Um, we, have, we have this massive river that runs down in between Oregon and Washington that flows out of Canada. And uh, it, it is supplied by multiple tributary rivers. And so our big thing here is uh, salmon, steelhead, and trout. So Steelhead is a sea running yes. rainbow trout, basically. If you're from New York, you should know, probably, you probably know about steelhead and salmon runs. Uh, they're, they're not a lot different. Well, from there New would be more up north in the uh, Pulaski area, for example. They have right. a big uh, uh, river up there that they fish. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll go up there into that Niagara Basin and all that kind of stuff. It, it's very similar here. We, we have uh, multiple runs of salmon. So we get sockeye salmon and, and Chinook or king salmon, as people know them, and, and silver salmon or coho salmon. Mm -hmm. it, it depends on where you're from. Uh, we, get, we get the chum salmon or dog salmon, and we also, there's a very few pink salmon, but they do run around. Um, but we do get the, the summer and winter run steelhead, 
and we have just some of the most prolific trout fisheries in in the United States. It's just a part of the West. Oh yeah. But we also have some really good warm water game fish. Uh, some some rivers have been overtaken. They're not native to here. Uh, they they are wildly reproducing. Uh, but they, we do have um, you know great smallmouth and largemouth bass fisheries. We do have striped bass fisheries. Um, we have the big fish, you know, so we have uh, white sturgeon out in the Columbia and, and some of the tributaries, uh, which are just absolutely massive fish. Uh, we have the, the offshore fishery with the halibut and all that kind of stuff. So a uh, lot of great places to fish around here. I, can, I, I could go on all day. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, plenty of fishing. Uh, if you have a flats boat, for example, or a boat, uh, and then you can go further east. Where I'm at, way out west, uh, in you know western part of Miami, uh, we have a lot of canals, man-made lakes, whatever. And fishing is, you know, it's okay. But uh, it, let's say you wanted to catch uh, bonefish, for example, uh, you can catch permit, snook, uh, tarpon. Yeah. You know, you get a flats boat or something like that, and you're over out out east, Biscayne Bay, for example. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. There's a, a famous fly fisherman saltwater he lost his eye um, it was an accident and you know he lost it but he could fish better in Biscayne Bay than um, you know with just the one eye and see the different fish a lot better than you know fully sighted people can't remember his name at the moment it's a sign of old age I guess but he was super famous at it and he actually did uh, a full biological study of Biscayne Bay and the fishing that would happen there, different temperature levels and, and good stuff. Eventually it'll come to me or, and if not, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to do a well, quick yeah, there's, search. There's opportunities. Sure. Okay. It's not coming to me at the moment though. So in regards to peacock bass, so peacock bass are like these neotropical species you know, and we kind of touched on earlier. They're not really bass. They're a, it's a, it's sure. a sick, it's a cichlid, right? So um just some fun facts that i came across earlier is that uh they were introduced here they are an invasive species well not uh, necessarily invasive they were introduced here but they're not considered invasive all right so they were introduced in what 84 84 yeah. Yeah. yeah so they've been here a while um yes. So what's the difference between a butterfly and a speckled peacock? That's something I couldn't really. There, I don't know, to be honest. I think it's one and the same. It's just somebody called it one thing, somebody called it another. Yeah. Um, uh, there might be subspecies, and I'm sure there's crossbreeding going on. You know, um, you see a stop sign that looks like a peacock bass. No, not quite. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the bottom line is that the peacock bass... Um, cohabitate pretty much with the cichlids, Mayan cichlids, uh, spotted tilapia. Um, they have mouths very similar to largemouth bass. Now, uh, fishing the man-made lakes here, I've actually caught reasonable peacock bass on small flies, like a number six dry fly. But for the most part, if you want to be able to get the hook out without having to, you know, oh, let's get the, you know, the forceps or whatever you know and go in deep and yeah you, know, you gotta whatever bigger hook and if you mash down the barb that makes life a lot easier too mm -hmm. um if you lose one or two okay fine but trust me you'll feel 
I know I've, I've done it, I, and I hate to admit it, but the peacock bass would be so aggressive that they literally inhale the hook, and then you got to try and get it out, and they're bleeding, and you know it's not going to be pretty. You try to be as gentle as possible, but after that, it's like, no, nah, it's the, just mash the barb down, and, and you'll be a lot better off. Oh yeah, absolutely. I you know that that's that's one of the great things for uh, catch and release fishermen in particular, are barbless hooks and. It, you know, for me, something I kind of preach, it's not just for the fish, it's for me too. Uh, yeah. But the last time I ever fished a barbed hook, uh, and and I mean that, I, I crush every barb, even when I sell hooks. If my hook's not barbless, you're, get, you're getting a barbless hook. Uh, I put a salmon hook in my hand, and and that was the last time I ever fished a barbed hook because I couldn't get it through the other side. Right. I, <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it is easier for the fish too. And, you know, I, I fish with my little dude and uh, if, he, if he's throwing flies around, uh, which he does on occasion, he throws them on light spinning gear under uh, a floater or a bobber, whatever you want to call it. He throws them under a bobber. Well, wait, if it's a fly rig, it's an indicator. Oh yeah, that's true. But it's, uh, all, but, it, it. but it's, it's not a bobber, it's an indicator. <laughs> But so he, he throws it on his ultralight spinning gear and he's, he's hooked himself before <laughs> and it just, it makes hook retrieval much easier on fish and people. Yeah. And, and you're, you're right. Brian Flexig again, in one of his videos from Med River Outfitters says the same thing. It's not for the fish. If you were worried about the fish, you wouldn't go fishing and catch it in the first place. You know, it's about you and trying to get hooks out and not just out of you, but let's say your your backpack or whatever, you know, you can mess up material like that trying to yeah. get a barbecue. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. No, I'm, I'm with you, dude. That yeah, being I, said, I use two aughts on uh, a few of my flies, um, uh, black and purple, and I've had pretty good luck. And you would think too, odd, isn't that more like for largemouth bass? Well, again, they have similar mouths and uh, with the bucktail and dumbbell eyes, you know, it's like a super large clouser, if you will. Yeah. And you have that wide gap on the two odd so that, you know, the hook, you can just easily get it out or they can easily, you know, set it in their mouths, you know, and, and bring them on in. So that's nice. So if that being, so do you strip set? peacocks or have you had to or is it just kind of are you trout setting or are you actually stripping into the fish or so to be honest um i've seen some people do top water stripping there's this one fellow that fly fishes not only that i have to say he's really good at double hauling and that's something i am terrible at still <laughs> okay but he can double haul and get the fly to go from one side of the canal to the next and then strip and he uses flies that you would expect to use for tarpon. I, it's hard to describe, you know, fine and not too long a hook shank, and then like a crown over the uh, uh, the hook uh, where you have the eye. So like you get, let's say, crapper, and then you push it back over. Um, or um, micro chenille, let's say, is another one. So um, I've seen him catch peacock bass topwater like that. I haven't had much luck topwater fishing like that. For me, it's a slow 
retrieve. And then sometimes if you can sight fish them, you know, you'll get it close to them and aggravate them. That's the other thing. They're very uh, protective. And if they see something that's in their face for a couple of seconds, if they want to be aggressive, they'll attack. And at that point, you can catch them. Um, with the water level as low it is, as it is, they're deeper now. So that's where I decided, let me try to do this Euro nymphing technique, tight line, and touch bottom a couple of times, and then make sure I'm a little above, because I've lost flies, you know, trying to stay on the bottom, get snagged. You know, so at this point, you know, you just come along and if you feel on the 3x tippet when they strike, you know, okay, let's back and forth a little bit. And, you know, you'll watch, see the flash, they hit, bring them in, you got yourself a video. So <laughs> life is good. That's pretty cool that you're able to uh, nymph for those bass, you know, because uh, a lot of people are under the impression like well, a nymph, nymph style nymph style still but you know just just that idea yes. a lot of a lot of people think it's like a a, a full-on streamer game or it's going to be something that like a like a, a mimicking a, a you know something of that nature and being stripped and doing that but to actually follow like a drift right. that's that's really cool that's a that's a unique fishing style for bass it, i it, it it intrigues me so i mean how did you how did you come around to figuring that out well, again, George Daniel with his uh, whole Euronym setup and uh, another fellow named Tim Camisa from Trout and Feather. He has his Instagram channel. Very funny guy, Central Pennsylvania. He uh, was talking about Euronymphing and how he would come home from a fishing trip, tell his wife about it. And his wife was like, do you realize you're talking about like triple the number of fish that you used to catch? Now, you can go full blast. 10 and a half foot three weight, uh, monocore, uh, level line point zero two two inch diameter, uh, this 11 foot leader multicolor, and you know, the very fine tippet and stuff. Eventually, I'll do that route just because I want to see if you can really euro nymph like competition for peacock bass. Right now, I'm using the four weight, but I tie my own leader with the uh, bicolor indicator from Cortland mm -hmm. and the lighter tippet. And believe it or not, the fly line doesn't leave the pole. You just have that, um, I tie 25 pound maxima, 20 pound maxima, blood knot it, and then the indicator line, another three feet, let's say, tippet ring, and then the 3X fluoroflex strong. And when I'm jigging, you know, drifting close to the bank, I still got fly line on the reel pretty much, and I just have the leader out there. So that means it's very sensitive as long as you maintain that quote unquote tight line. And you just feel them hit the hook. Literally, it's like a freight train hitting it. And <laughs> if they hit it just right, you can set and you got them. That's awesome. It's, it's just, again, I adapted their technique for peacock bass. Well, that I just sounds like, do that, you know, it sounds like just such a fun way to pursue them because it, it just goes back to that whole, you know, um, we, we know Euro nymphing in the West is, is mostly a, a river fishing technique where we're dredging. I mean, you're getting down yeah. in the strike zone super fast and you're working some real swift water. That's, that's what we predominantly work in mm -hmm. you know you can work through a boulder garden with a lot of boils you can work like the edges of eddies where there's transitional current to, to hear like it's just 
for me though, it's, it's cool to hear that, that you're, you're fishing in these waters <laughs> that I wouldn't typically associate with that, that type of style with that style. That's just super cool. I, I uh, exactly. now, now when you when you started experimenting around with it, what brought you to like, say, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try that, that nymphing. I mean, it maybe maybe it's a redundant to that other question, but were you like at, just out fishing one day and it was like, I can't catch anything or why won't anything hit? I'm just going to go wild and try it. Or did you, did you put some time uh, uh, and it, thought in? I mean, um, to be honest, I had my best day on April 25th. I know this because the videos are dated in the YouTube channel. I landed 10 peacock bass, uh, two Mayan cichlids. And I was like, almost, almost, you know what? I'm bored. I just caught so many fish. I'm going to go home now. Not quite. I mean, but you know, it's like, that's, it's like, you know, that's a lot of fish. And I, I'm, I think I got stuff I need to do, like edit this video and get it uploaded. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it, I'm, but trust me, it was, that was a phenomenal day. And I was not urinating that day, but I decided to give it a shot just to see what would happen. Uh, I did lose a couple of flies last Sunday, but um, I landed a peacock bass and this family had just pulled up. So I'm explaining to them, oh, a peacock bass, what the, there, there were two children there. Here, you want to touch it in the net? And then when cool. I was trying to get it out of the net, it managed to flop because these things are strong. Yes. And I ended up snapping the tippet, managed to get it, rescue the fly. It flopped out of my, you know, my grip. And after that, I, I lost my rhythm. And no matter what I did, you know, so I, I lost two flies nothing was going right after about an hour i'm like yeah. you know what it's like vegas you can be on a winning streak but when your luck changes if you think you're going to get back to the winning streak, you're just going to give it all back and i realized i you know my rhythm's gone you know i had a good run with three fish your own style time to just call it a day which i did and it was like well okay so you know it, it all depends it was just a matter of try something new and uh for now, it's, it's okay. I like it. It's just the weather is weird uh, with um, the rain allegedly coming and then not. So I don't know what's going on with that. It's yeah. It's been like that for a lot of people, uh, weather-wise. The weather has been, Mother, Mother Nature has been uh, on vacation and just partying hard because she doesn't know what she wants I, right I now. There's a tropical storm in the panhandle of Florida now. There, there might be like I know, I know out east, um, like Virginia. We we have some Brian and I have some good friends out there, and uh, he was like, the water is so far down that mm. it's just so hard to go actually go fishing right now. He said we need rain, we need it bad, and mm -hmm. uh, their water levels are just so low. And I, you know, it, what's crazy is Texas has almost had record rains. Well, you know, we had we had that crazy snow this year. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, and uh, like absolutely insane snow um, and cold. I mean, you guys it, had record-setting cold. Yeah, it, I remember I was at work one day and it was like negative four or five degrees. Yeah. And we've had a, an absolute ton of rain as well. So I'm I'm hoping that that's going to start moving east because I know the east needs rain. And I know even the west needs rain too. I don't know why Texas is getting slammed so bad, but all in all, we all need more rain. Yeah. 
Well, say, hold the rain off in Houston because those guys flood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously. So, yeah. 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 Luckily, uh, here in the West, we got the mountains with the snowpack and they and, and the snowpack and the glacial runoff uh, really helps supply the rivers. But um, it, it's still in drought mode here. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the Columbia Basin's been in a drought. Uh, a lot of our rivers, actually some of our major tributaries, they're almost stagnant. And I'm not saying stagnant in the way like what still water is, but there's been hardly any water at all. And it's impeded um, fish migration severely. Uh, it's, sure. it, it's, it's really held it back. A lot of the fish are holding off in the ocean because they're waiting, you know, because they, they're olfactory, they, they smell. And, and they're waiting to get yeah. that smell of their natal stream to come back so that they can push up and spawn. Well, there's no no water and when they do start moving up they're moving at night they're not aggressively attacking anything so so fishing for them is almost a moot point you you can't get that big rutted up juiced up fish to go and attack your baits once it gets in inland you know and so it's been really rough but uh we're we're kind of worried about the fish survival now it, it, because we're not getting enough water in their spawning areas to allow them to even spawn. You know, we stay out of that. They're, they're just not, uh -huh. there's not enough water. So yeah, we, we've been in a drought spell here out West now. It, it's been a very dry spring in the Pacific Northwest and it's normally a soaking wet dripping mess here. Sure. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's one thing I remember. I, I did a, I had to teach a few classes, technical classes in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember it being overcast in October. Uh, pleasant place back then. Now it's, you know, summer of whatever was a little weird. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, I enjoyed it. And uh, ended up having dinner at a restaurant by Haystack Rock. Oh, okay. You know, which is supposed to be a, yeah. Yeah, Cannon uh, Beach. And you could see the living in the Haystack Rock there. And that was, that was nice. Yeah, so I, I live in the Portland metro area, so so it's cool that you've been here. Uh, but yeah, the, you, you can see our, our coast there. Um, typically, if you were here in October, uh, you should have got a little bit wet. And this last October, it was a little bit yes, dry. Yeah. You know, it was a little dry. Uh, uh -huh. Going into November, we had some torrential rains and some real good flooding. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't like catastrophic flooding. Our, our basins could handle it because it had been so dry. It, it took everything. Uh, sure. And then through the winter, we thought we're going to have an epic winter steelhead season and the fish never came. And it would just stayed kind of semi droughtish dry and, you know, nothing ever happened. But, you know, it's, it's the struggle of every angler that, you know, it's a double edged sword. Do I want rain? Because when it's raining super hard, is it really good to go out and try to fish? But on the same token, we want the rain so that the fish can, you know, have some hydrology, yes. you know, you, you definitely want right. that. That's a, that's a real important. And, and that's, that's why I'm like, you know, it's, it's time to rain here to get the lakes back to their level and then chill you know, again. So that's, that, I agree a hundred percent. So you had some uh, stuff that you wanted to share with us. I was going to uh, kick this over really quick, Carrie, if, uh, if you want to share that stuff, um, I'm going to go okay. ahead and uh, pull you up here. And just so that the people listening on, on Spotify know uh, we do have this on YouTube. So I am going to make you a host, Carrie, and Carrie's going to share some visuals. So here we go, Carrie. You are now the host okay. and you have control. So uh, let me see if I can do this, share. 
Okay, so I think you can see my Instagram profile. Yes, sir. Okay, and we go. a lot of the flies that I've there tied. I tried this one out today with the orange marabou. Not much luck. Um, this one is a topwater fly. No additional weight, peacock bass colors. I tried it yesterday, but there just wasn't anything in the water. Uh, so this I have faith in. If you notice, there's crystal flash right here, which uh, is, you know, again, the iridescence thing. Uh, let me see if I can find. Okay, this is me with one of my peacock bass, but um, let me see. Here we go. Ah, one of the buggy flies I was talking about, uh, kind of yellow jacket-ish. Believe it or not, I tried it, didn't get anything. It's in the box. I should try it again sometime just to see what happens. But again, the water levels have to be right. But uh, let me see if I have, there we go. This fly, is the fly that I had the record day on. Um, Risley, olive, uh, cockneck feathers, and uh, crapper with some flash and uh, crystal flash, uh, dumbbell lies, and it's on a one-hot bait hold dog in El Cheapo from Bass Pro Shops. And like I said, 10 peacock bass, uh, two Mayan cichlids, that was awesome. But the problem is when I got done with it, this is a before picture. This is an after picture. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they it, really throttled that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but that was a great day. That was on the six-weight uh, Risen ITB nine-foot with uh, the Reddington Behemoth 5.6. Um, when you walk along the banks, you have to be careful because I, I was looking in the water, walking to my right, and then checking mm. to my right to make sure I wasn't about to trip. And I see his tail and I'm like, oh crap. And I just kind of backed up. I got the GoPro and um, I recorded this with my phone so I could upload it to Instagram, okay? <laughs> but uh, that, that right there is about eight foot. And if he had not been sleeping, if he had been facing at me, he would have seen me walking towards him and he may have challenged me. You know, so I, I'm very lucky. Go ahead. No, I was just saying gators or something else. We're starting to get some here in Texas as well. Uh, one of your flies recently, I say recently, but I'm bad about time frames, is you, you tied a really large uh, bluegill bully. How did, how did that yeah. fly turn out? Um, not bad. I um, This is the spotted tilapia that I caught locally in one of the man-made lakes. I jigged in front of them using one of the buggy flies. And if I'm not mistaken, it was this one. And, you know, it's a pearl chenille, ice caddis, uh, ice dub, uh, silly legs. Uh, let me see about that bully bluegill. I've actually caught um, peacock bass locally in the man-made lakes here. Um, ah, yes. Okay. So this is a bluegill and the buggy fly that I caught it on. That was one of my first buggy flies where, if you notice, it's missing antenna. <laughs> so I, I don't have, well, seriously, because I tied this in November uh, 10th, according to the date, and I caught the bluegill on it. But um, this is, okay. 
this is the two pounder. And I was on a number six Scud Poopa hook buggy fly. And that would be uh, probably the same one that I caught this one on. Uh, so let's see. Or, ah, no, I take that back. This is it. This is the, the, the one that I caught that fly on. And what was really weird, again, you watch too many videos, you try too many things. I had a dropper rig set up on a very small swivel and I had the top fly off on the top eye of the swivel and then had the other one on the bottom. So I had two flies going and it's in the YouTube video, I guess from November 10th or whatever. But the bottom line is, or 15th, but the bottom line is that I swapped them and the bass, the peacock bass took the buggy fly that time. But that was really interesting, um, the way that happened. What else do I have? Um, believe it or not, that peacock bass on the top, I caught on this little thing. It's a number eight hook. <laughs> Oh, wow. And and trust me, they go after some weird flies at times. And you know, sometimes bigger is better. Sometimes, you know, uh, what else do we have? Oh, and this one, you can see the chartreuse fly, but that's my three weight seven and a half foot uh, risen genesis, and um, that's the first one that I had. That was the armor reel. I had a problem with it where the lines, the actual fly line, slipped out the side of the cage. And I'm like, wait a minute, I know it was on the spool, what happened? And believe it or not, I contacted Risen and Ryan Goolsbury said, oh, you got a problem with it? Send it back. And I said, by the way, can I upgrade to the LW because you don't have any more of these available? And he said, you know what? Because you had problems with this, I'll swap this for the next model up, the LW. And since you bought the line and backing from us, I'll put the line and backing on that one too and ship it. Oh, wow. That's a sweet deal. Exactly. These people are really good for customer service. Uh, believe it or not, I uh, broke the tip on that three weight. Uh, I was trying to do something, got snagged in a branch on a tree in front of my house, low hanging. And instead of, you know, being very gentle, I thought I can get it out and it snapped. And I was like, ah. so I, I notified them. They have a policy for life, $25.00. Just go ahead. We'll we'll send you whatever parts you need for your rod, mm -hmm. and and that's it. So for twenty five dollars, I had a new, new tip. I'm I'm back in business, but that what I did is I challenged people to do the small stream challenge. Use a three weight to catch peacock bass and post it. Anyway, so I'm still doing that. Um, go back up. Oh, this is a scene from one of the lakes by my house. And uh, this is back in October, so the water levels were still reasonable. So you can see that they have this uh, shallow area, and when times are good, the fish will come closer, and you can, excuse me, you can sight fish them. If they're deeper, though, when they're, like it's cold uh, or uh, the water levels are low, you got to try and cast really far. And for me, that's not going to happen. Um, oh, there you go. That's the bully blue. <laughs> Bully Bluegill you were talking yeah. about, John. Yeah. yeah, I tied that. Uh, that actually worked a couple of times. And that's on a fire hole barbless hook. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to crush anything with that. Uh, this is cool. I like this. It has a bird-like look. And uh, 
that was before I crushed barbs. But as you can tell, the eyes and the black. And I think I actually got that snagged after catching a couple of fish with it. <laughs> and then let's go back up here. Um, lately, what's been working? Oh, I tie weird stuff every once in a while. I got these weird curved hooks. This is um, a must-add wide gap number four. And you can tell the way it's bent weird. And yet I wanted to do some weird colors. And I actually had something follow it, but didn't strike. Again, the fishing hasn't been up to snuff lately. Uh, like I said, August, April 25th was the prime day. And uh, let's see, these, these, aha. Uh -huh. A lot of stuff with craft fur. I tie this in nymph style with the bead, but what seemed to be working for the most part was anything like this with the dumbbell eyes, the seaver feathers, um, more peacock bass colors, again, flash. Uh, here we go, more peacock bass colors. And you could cast this and catch peacock bass, you know, all the way around in the Everglades. Um, this is some of the flies. You notice there's a lot of flash going on. Um, I try blue and white because of bait fish, but believe it or not, the actual peacock bass colors are working better now. Last year here in the local lakes, I was able to use bait fish colors in blue and white uh, bucktail, for example, and land a few fish. So I just try whatever works. So, so go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Carrie. Um, do you think, so So why do you believe that they're eating peacock bass colors? Do you think it's it's coming down to a predatory, almost cannibalistic issue? Exactly. And there are several fish species that do just that. You know, they, they'll eat whatever. Um, so yeah, peacock bass colors. And the other thing is if you have a Sharpie, uh, some people recommend putting stripes on the flies and that tends to work. I know a lot of people swear by them. I've had some luck. It's not like, oh, wow, I put stripes and that was it. I'm killing them now. So anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, seriously. It's just yeah. one of those things. Um, I do stuff like uh, nasty buggy looking flies. But uh, again, it's just, you know, if there's fish there, you may catch something. If you try something and it's not happening and you go on to something else and then you do catch something, you got to remember to try going back to it when there's some action again. But if you're, if you're on a winning streak, it's tough to say, let me go back and try one of those other flies just for the heck of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, plenty of fly presentation right there. Uh, as you can tell, there's so many different styles and whatever. Um, some of them work, some of them don't. Um, again, I just, I look at videos, I get ideas and I adapt according to them. Um, let's see. Yeah, on the three weight, come on. And this is uh, my favorite spot. This is the large mount that I'm pulling in, again, on the uh, three weight. And if you need it, if you ever get a three weight, it's like, this is a lot of fun. Now, you, you're not gonna go for salmon or something like that with the three weight, right. but you know, two pounders, whatever, on a three weight is a blast. So, so that, that's a, anyway, that's I'll let a, you go back. Then. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a common rod weight for the Euronymphers around here. And you will see people catch some fairly significant. Long ones, though. 
yeah yeah you're you're talking about a 10 foot uh the like here's the seven and a half foot is not as common uh but it is a great creek size i do have a seven and a half foot four weight that's what i have uh is actually given to me by a Ah. person so uh that's the only reason why i'm in possession of that but um yeah you'll you'll see a lot of that um nymphers using that three weight and i've seen some fairly significant size trout hauled in on that you know especially out of a river and yes. and they're they're just as juiced up as like a small mouth or something you know they they can fight pretty darn good they live their whole life in strong currents so they they got a pretty squirrely well, fight to them those 10 and 10 foot or 10 and a half foot three weights though are designed a little differently where right. they have a little, a lot slower action mm-hmm. so they can give more to protect the tippet. And you right. have to use lighter tippet, you know, to be able to get that tight line type thing, um, th- that whole principle. So um, what I'm doing is before I go ahead and get my 10 and a half foot three weight, I'm trying it out with my nine foot four weight, tie my own leader. And it's interesting. I just want to get to a point where Okay, I can consistently do that, but I do believe that Euro nymphing for peacock bass is a challenge. The mm-hmm. only thing is, is that um, if you're Euro nymphing and uh, you got bad boys like that in the canal, so there's no way that you're going to wade into it and high stick, yeah. for example. Not going to yeah. happen. Trust yeah. me, they'll sneak up on you and you're done for. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd want to be wading in uh, gator territory. <laughs> that just doesn't sound no. good. Between and them and snapping turtles and uh, soft shell turtles, all that good stuff, it just seems like uh, Florida is a good place to to have a uh, premature amputation. Yes, uh, with gators, definitely. Um, this is another style that I'm tying with Steve Ferrar uh, SF fibers. And, you know, you get that fish-like look. It's not very heavy. Stick on eyes, for example. This is good for trying to do that uh, stripping on top water for the most part or slightly in the water. But uh, if you'll notice, I actually have a bead on it because, again, I realized for me, the fish are deeper close to the bank. And I got to get down, like you said, get down faster. So uh, I do have some flies without the bead for top water, but I haven't, I personally haven't had much luck doing top water for peacock bass. Um, Thursday morning using, hang on, this fly. Is that true? I caught the bluegill and then uh, uh, maybe that, maybe I did go back out there with it. But uh, I'm trying to think. There was that fly I caught the bluegill, but there was another one that I had for top water. Oh, I know what it was, and I don't have a picture of it. I have to show you. I actually went to Sierra.com, and for $12, I bought a dozen Fat Alberts. Okay. And these are number six. Okay. Foam flies. Now I do have foam, I do have silly legs, I do have all the material because I blow hundreds of dollars on material, it's addicting. But uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, let me try it out. Let me go, I mean, cause I was ordering a long handled net and some other things to be able, cause the Everglades with the water level low, that short handled net wasn't cutting it. And I'm too old to, you know, try to climb over some 
jagged rocks and stuff to, to get close to them. The terrain's uneven close to the bank. So rather than injure myself, I figured, let me get a longer handle. And so I bought that and some other things and I added that to the order. But I did get two hits top water at the local lake here Thursday morning. Didn't land anything, but it was exciting to flip it, strip it, and all of a sudden something hits, you know. That's a, that's a cool feeling. I'm, and I'll try it some more. And if I do land something, I will definitely post it on the YouTube channel. I am a dry fly and foam fly addict. I've got, uh-huh. a, I've got a serious issue with throwing dry flies for panfish. <laughs> I do yeah, too. I, fun though. Yeah. And the, you know, we, you were talking about how sometimes fish like the bigger flies or the smaller flies or streamers. Right. I've recently, I've caught uh, three bass on a size 16 and a size 14 cripple marsh brown. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, and I had one hit a size 14 chronomid. Like bass, bass will eat dries. <laughs> and yeah. it's, yes. it's exhilarating uh, because, you know, you'll get the little pop 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 from the panfish you know they just come up they break the yeah. surface and it's a, literally a snapping sound right. and and you know it you hear the snap you see it and then you go to set and they're just so excited they miss it but the bass when he hit it he or she i don't know i didn't really get a sure, great sure. look at it they it rolled it wasn't like a, if yeah. the the bait wasn't so big that it, it came out of the water it, it just rolled on it and then i just I lifted my rod because I was like, well, dang, that's a big bluegill. No, it was a bass, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a, but man, uh, you'll have to shoot me your address after this or a good mailing address. And I'll send you some gurglers. Okay. Cause, cool. I, cause, cause uh, I would bet that you can get some action on some gurglers mm-hmm. out there for some peacocks. Well, um, it's too far. I bought, I don't know. It must be at least a hundred sheets of foam, foam of two two millimeter, yeah, different colors, and I think I spent a whopping eleven dollars for it on Amazon or something, and um, and I've got some of these uh, sparkle foam sheets. Oh, nice. Well. Yeah, because the sparkle foam sheets. I figured I'm in Miami. I need a little bling. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yeah and um you know i i think it's time that i start tying some foam flies and trust me when i tie them john they're going to be posted in instagram i look forward to it post yeah. results it's going to be fun no, I'm looking forward like to it. but yeah i mean you know for 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 what i paid for these fat alberts i can look at them and like oh okay i see what they did here and the size and you know access to the hook and the different layers you know, the Chubby Chernobyls is another one. And uh, I can see investing in the River Runs uh, foam cutters as well. Oh, yeah. Foam cutters are great. Uh, you can you can pseudo make your own as well. Uh, it takes a lot of time. Uh, what I do is I just measure my foam out in sure. the section. So I know that, I mean, I have pieces cut right here, actually. And I've got a... Uh, uh, but Bo, it's from Bozeman. It's a fire hole outdoors. It's a magnetic fly bench. My cat's up here. 
uh, it's this magnetic fly bench where I keep my hooks and stuff on it. But what I do is I, I pre-measure out, like these are for size uh, 16s. Okay. Are, so I'll measure it and I just know that, so I know my length and then I measure hook gap for your foam That's itself. And, and generally if you do hook gap and then the length you want for your hook and just write it down or remember it, uh, you don't need the cutters, but man, the cutters are nice. But every time I go to get them, they're sold out. They, they go right. so fast. Yes. Uh, no, you're right. I, I watch um, Tim Flagler is another one. And uh, he's always good about how to do uh, foam and to cut multiples at a time and then store them in these little plastic boxes. He's so organized. It's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Oh, and by the way, um, I get the fly fish a lot because my wife works a lot and, and if she can work on a weekend, uh, she does. So I would be remiss if I did not, uh, where did it go? I knew it was here. Oh, it's got it right here. So this is my 65th birthday and that's Santa Luisa. Um, you know, and there I am toasting with a Guinness and uh, she makes sure that I'm a happy guy. And if she's got to work, then I can go fishing. If she's not working, then I try to, you know, make sure that I'm available, of course. That's, so that's, that, that definitely works out. That's awesome, dude. That's so cool. Absolutely. <laughs> that's fantastic. Right on. Anyway, so if you feel free to go ahead and take back uh, control. We have resume control. All right. Um, attention planets of the Federation. Attention all planets of the Federation. We have resume control. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2112. <laughs> Is that before your time? Nope, I, I know that there one. That's twenty one twelve. See, go ahead and um, go ahead and stop screen share there for me, Carrie. Stop sharing, you, please. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you and so there you much. Are. All right, let me um, take back over. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, so with your adventure in the fly fishing here, Carrie, um, have you hit any obstacles like? getting getting the information that you need it sounds like you you've you're 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 very self-educated and and you've done just a magnificent yeah. job your, your flies are beautiful your technique is awesome the the amount of knowledge that you've garnered already in a short amount of time is really impressive have you have you noticed or, or had any issues or barriers to getting any kind of help or has everybody that you've been around in the fly community been pretty supportive well, I, I only know a couple of people in the fly community here. My knowledge, I glean from the fly fishing channels. Like I said, uh, Tim Flagler, um, Jim Masur is another one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hook for, Hook for Life Fly Fishing, Peter Charles. That man is really good as well. Um, Norquist, uh, I think, is, was the, uh, the device manufacturer. Norm. Norvice. Uh, Norvice, right. But Norm, can't remember the last name now, but he was the one that came up with the Norvice thing. A little bit overpriced if you ask me. I have a, a peak, but they look nice the way they work. But uh, you can watch his videos, but the videos have been a blessing. And from that, I can uh, learn different techniques. And as John pointed out, I'm not one of those super fancy kind of guys it's basically i can do this and make it look reasonable 
And a lot of times I'll see something, every once in a while, I'll try to get it just like the video. There's others where I learn techniques and I'm like, let me try and come up with a mashup and see how it happens. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I learn something. And as I go along, I've um, discovered, you know, if you had done this first, it would have been a lot smoother. Um, you know, there's, there's just some things that trial and error, but um, thank goodness for videos. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. the, um, I'm very similar in that aspect. Uh, Brian's actually helped me a lot, about whether he knows or not. I, uh, you know, I, I started tying flies out of necessity here in Texas. We've got like two fly shops and the only other people that fly fish around me that I know uh, you know, it seems like every time you go out, you hear someone say, oh, well, yeah, I used to fly fish a long time ago. And then I just kind of gave it up. And but I've got four, really three, three people. And then a guy that I'm kind of mentoring as well. Um, so there's like five of us that I know. And so, you don't you, that doesn't come with a lot of information. Um, so. I'm, I'm very similar in that aspect that I, I had to seek online information. I had to read a lot from, you know, the internet. I watched a lot of videos and J Jim Mashira, he, he's a gym, you know, yes. that, that guy's a national treasure. He, he breaks it down uh, Barney style for how he's tying the flies, why he's tying it that way. And yeah. he, he, he gives you a whole layout of all the materials, uh, you know, he, if you're just getting started in a tying flies, Jim Mashura is great. Yes, and uh, yeah. and Norm Norlander is the, the creator of hey, the, the Vice. And I think also like uh, he also helped engineer a bobbin. I'm not familiar with the bobbin, but Norm Norlander did the Norvice. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he passed away like three years ago, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. By the way, I do have a friend that grew up next door to me. He was tying flies and um, I was traveling around the country for different uh, information technology projects. Um, back then money was really good. Money's good now, but it's a different kind of money. Before you could be a nomad and make really good money. But he walked me through how to tie my first fly. And I have it right here still. I was, I, I was, uh, I don't wanna destroy it even though it's, it's terrible. So it's variegated chenille. Uh, way too much marabou, uh, some dumbbell eyes on a hook, and that's it. So, and then this is the first time I tried to whip finish. Huh? So that was traumatic. <laughs> that was, that was and but you know, but now I got it. It's just trying to get the you know to stay on, and it was like oh, but uh, I still have my first fly. And if you notice, it's nothing like the other flies I tie now. <laughs> I've so. got I've got some of my first ones. Uh, I'll send you some DMs after this of all my first oh, flies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, Carrie, uh, with with all of that good stuff, um, where so where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing, interact with you, do all that kind of stuff? What what's your uh, YouTube handle or and your uh, Instagram and all that stuff? Well, the YouTube is Dino Con Sabor. You look for me and the users just type Dino Con Sabor and I'll come up. You'll see my picture. Uh, 305 Dino is my Instagram. 305 is the uh, main area code here in Miami. 
I should say the original, now is 305-786, whatever, but you know, 305, you know, is the original. Um, and definitely just uh, watch the videos. If you see something that you like, or if you learn something, or if you're like, hey, that was a cool fly, and I like the way it caught the peacock bass, uh, comment, and I'll be more than happy to get back. Um, I am also a Shriner. I just joined the Shrine this okay. year uh, as part of the Masonic groups. But uh, one thing that I did is I told them I wanted to start a fly fishing unit. That's what they call them. You have different clubs. And uh, I told them, you know, I, let's get some people together to do fly fishing. And then if there's people that want to learn how to fly fish, I can teach them the basics at least to get them started. Now, they're not going to be double hauling, you know, and all this other good stuff. But, you know, at least they can get line in the water, mm -hmm. know what they're doing. And if they want to learn how to tie basic flies, they could definitely, you know, I can show them how to do that. Um, and if they work, even better. Very cool. So uh, awesome. that, that kind of goes into some of, uh, what do you have planned for future plans, I guess, would be the best way I could put it. What, what, what is in the future for Carrie David? As far as fly fishing is concerned, um, if I may, I'll plug them. Uh, it's a moonshine 10 and a half foot Vesper rod for uranimphing. And I'll probably put a Reddington run on that. If not, I may spring a little bit more and get a Reddington rise, five, six. The heavier, the larger reel for the longer length of the uranimph uh, rod. Um, I've talked with Tim Camisa, Trout and Feather, is his channel and, and Instagram. And uh, as far as setup, he was like Cortland 0 0.022 uh, level line with the monocore. And uh, let's see if, yeah, I do have it here. Great. He recommended this uh, Rio 11 foot uh, leader because I wasn't sure how to tie my own at that point. I've since learned, but uh, yeah, here we go just happened to be in front of me. So this is 11 foot, uh, starts at 0x, goes down to 2x. And if I feel like it, I may actually put a tippet ring at the end of this and maybe two to three feet of 3x, 4x, uh, the 4x strong um, tippet. And, uh, but yeah, I can, I can definitely see the Euronymphing for peacock bass and cichlids being a real challenge. Now, it's an investment for that gear. Granted, it's not like buying a Sage X or something, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still, you know, you're looking at about 650 total, okay? Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's why we work hard for a living though, right? Oh, yeah. So we can do Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> you gotta absolutely. work hard so you can play hard. I hear you, yeah, bud. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Well, and that's, and that's one of those goals that a, a lot of our listeners, I think, you know, they're working towards that, you know, to, to be able to save up that money and, and all that. But I think, I think some of the other stuff that you've highlighted today is really accessible for quite a few folks. Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're only a year into it and it's not like, you know, I mean, may, maybe you got thousands of dollars invested already, but you know, somebody could get started for, you know, a hundred, 150 bucks Absolutely. and be out there targeting these fish, just like what you're doing. The ITB series from Risen is $159. And as I told John, 
if you buy it this weekend with the code DAD, you get fifteen percent off. Yeah, it's oh, the yeah. the whole store. Uh, uh, yeah. No, no so, I don't. I don't talk about this a lot because people don't really ask. But all of your dry fly hooks that I you get uh -huh. on any of my flies are they're risen. Yes. Um, my my streamer hooks for you know like woolly bugger and stuff they're risen, and I, I've even got some of Ryan's artwork, you know, here on my dubbing container. Like Risen's an outstanding company, um, and it's I not just. I have my Streamer 300s in size uh, four, and I've tied some hooks recently on this as yeah, well. It's, so, it's 15 yeah, it's 15% off the entire store, and we're not plugged the, or sponsored by Risen or anything the, like that. Absolutely. No, if the if, if the company does you right, you know I have no problem doing right by them, mentioning you know their products and their service. And um, like I said, I was heartbroken when I snapped the rod dip of the three weight because that was my favorite, you know, rod at that point. Uh, yeah. Well, it still is pretty much. But uh, back then I had the eight weight and the three weight. And I was just walking around with the three weight at the lakes. But I went ahead and I bought a four weight of theirs in the ITB series, a six weight of theirs just because. And I was thinking of getting the three weight in the ITB. But I'm thinking for now, I have my three weight Genesis which if you're looking for something entry level, just to have a three weight, seven and a half, it's going to put, set you back maybe $85, which isn't bad. Okay. It's really good. And that's for the whole series, especially with the 15% off. Um, it's a fast action. It's not as slow, uh, moderate fast as ITB, but that's not going to hurt you. Uh, but I think if I'm going to invest in another rod and have five instead of four, uh, it's going to be the Moonshine Vesper for the Euronym setup. Very cool. Well, Kerry, um, we're getting to that time. Uh, I want to give you a few minutes for any closing thoughts, advice, uh, sage uh, um, insight to anybody just getting into fly fishing or, uh, you know, fishing in general. You got a lot of life experience and any, any kind of insight you want to throw out there to everybody? Well, first off, I'd like to thank you and John for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, John and I have been trading messages uh, in Instagram about flies and other things. I saw that order that you got going out to that customer. That's a really interesting assortment of flies. Some of them I've never tied before, but, you know, I could, hey, I feel like uh, Waltz Worm or something like that for Peacock Bass. Who knows? It may work. Yeah. Um, as far as fly fishing is concerned, fish your species. Now, granted, when I started, I, I learned, oh, look, trout and this and that, and that's great. But what I'm fishing for here, some of it doesn't apply. So you have to adjust. Um, again, there's fly fishing in general. There's not as much about peacock bass. Um, I'd like to say I'm one of the few channels because you don't find peacock bass all across the US. It's gotta be South Florida, for example. That's it. And you go further north, you don't find them in Orlando, for example. You don't find them in Vero Beach. Um, you, you don't find them in Clearwater. You have to be further south in the Naples area, for example. So it's a pretty restricted region for them. Uh, so largemouth bass, they're, they're all over. And you could probably find plenty of fly fishing channels on that. But definitely fish your species, learn about your species, learn what they like. And if you're going to start flying, you know, uh, tying flies, um, just look at the basics. G again, Jim Mishura is excellent 
his beginning series is excellent. Peter Charles is excellent as well for coming up with flies. I don't see them doing any weird stuff. If you really want to get into some complex flies, Gunner. Gunner Brammer. Hello, everybody. Gunner here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes and he slays you with this like double articulated fly that's about this big for pike. And it's like, oh yeah. my God. Anyway, Gunner, Gunner Brammer is like unbelievable. Yeah. And he's fished in the Amazon for peacock bass too. And he's hauled in, you know, 10 pounders and stuff. And I'm like, wow. And he had that heavy metal music going yeah. on back then yeah. when he was on that trip. But yeah, he's one guy that if you really, it's like, you know, I need a challenge. Let me, uh, I don't think I can do that. Let me go back to basics again. <laughs> yeah, he, he has some good flies though. Super cool. Yeah. Well, Carrie, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on on this Saturday, uh, running in from being out fishing and everything else. I think, uh, John and I are going to get back out there and, uh, we're, I'm hitting the reservoir and I think John's hitting the spillway. And so we're going to get yeah. out there and go uh, chase right. some fish ourselves Excellent. too. So, but thank you so much for coming on, sharing all your great information, insight, your, your page, everything else. It's so nice to have a guest that's well-versed with zoom so that you can, you know, take it on and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, share your stuff. So we really appreciate having you on. So, um, Thank oh, you thank again you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy yeah, it. absolutely. Gary, it's, it's been great, man. Thanks. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> thank you. So hey, tight lines and good fishing out there. All right, same to you, brother. A absolutely. <laughs> so, care. so there you have it, folks. Uh, once again, this is Kerry David, uh, David's uh, from Florida. You can find him on Dino Consabor on YouTube or 305 Dino on Instagram. Uh, the, all that information will be in the show notes. Until next time, uh, thank you for listening and get out there and catch some fish. <laughs>